Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades Podcast, episode 248. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And man, what a show I have for you. What a show last week. Ryan Spilborg, Spilly, one of my favorite people here in Denver, former Colorado Rockies outfielder, current Colorado Rockies broadcaster, and someone that I've adored for more than a decade. Now, this week's show is someone that I have adored for more than two decades. Who am I talking about? Scott Keith. He is a writer about professional wrestling. His current site is blogofdoom.com. What a great title, right? Blogofdoom.com. Former owner of thesmarks.com, former owner of rantsylvania.com, former writer at wrestleline.com, wrestlemaniacs.com. This is a man I have read for more than 20 years. He is also responsible for my very first gig writing on the internet. On Rantsylvania.com, he had something called the Rant Crew, and I just published some thoughts. I go, you know what? I see these people writing, and it says anyone can submit to the Rant Crew. And I go, dope. Okay, I want to do that. I want to start writing about this. And as soon as I did, literally, I think it was my first article, my email address was at the bottom, and I got an offer to write for another website. And I'm like, hell yeah. So from there. I started writing recaps of Monday Night Raw every week for like three years. And then from there, started writing for 411mania.com, writing music reviews, writing concert reviews, bounced around for a while, had my Raw recaps on a bunch of different sites, and started my own site, crewjonesociety.com. From there, went to xaxis.com. Now, here you are, johnofalltrades.us. I've been doing this show for six years. If you trace the entire lineage back... It all comes back to the rant crew, and that's Scott Keith. And it's amazing to think I've been reading him pretty much every day for the last 20 years. I say to him in this episode, of the people I've read on the internet, probably the three highest volumes of words belong to him, Drew McGarry, formerly of Deadspin, and Roger Ebert. I've devoured all three of their back catalogs, along with Bill Simmons, who I'm not so much in love with anymore. But those three are the folks that I've read most on the internet. And so to finally get to talk to him on this show was something that is very personally meaningful to me. And I'm thrilled to get to bring the episode to you. Now, it's interesting approaching an interview with Scott, who answers mailbag questions, probably three a day, about every topic under the sun. I can't tell you how many questions I've sent him. He told me at the end of this episode, and I don't know if he was flattering me or not, but he always enjoyed my questions. And I go, okay, great. Usually, I just kind of get a wild hair. I think of something, and I go, you know what? I should send this to Scott. I'd really enjoy it. Probably my favorite one I ever sent him was during the Kevin Owens NXT Championship reign, where I think he's feuding with Finn Balor, but he's fighting Alex Riley. And Finn Balor comes out, chases Kevin Owens away, and on Kevin Owens' way out, he stomps on Alex Riley like a pure dick, like a pure coward. And so I send it in to Scott, and he goes, thank you for mentioning that stomp. That was so funny. I even commented to my wife about it, and I'm like, dude, we're like kindred spirits because I commented to my wife about it. But the point is, Scott is a guy I refer to as Scott around here. 
And it's one of those esoteric things that comes with marriage. And I say this at the end of the episode. But when I say to my wife, hey, Scott wrote this, or Scott's opinion of this is, or I can't wait to read Scott's rant on this, she knows who Scott is. I don't need to qualify it. We're on a first-name basis with Scott Keith in this house. I don't think my wife has ever read one of his rants, but she's heard me talk about it enough to where Scott is a fixture in this house. And man, it makes me happy to get to bring content like this to you. So as I reflect on quarantine, the biggest goal with the John of All Trades podcast is to bring you joy and to bring you something that you might not otherwise be exposed to. I've had folks from radio. I've had folks from sports. I've had folks from the world of sports writing. And now someone that I have read for more than 20 years. And man, what a thrill. Like, and I've got a great episode coming next week. And if we're not using this time where we're all stuck in our homes to do good, what are we even doing? So if you're into pro wrestling, check out blogofdoom.com. Here's some insight into me. That is my first stop on the internet every single day. I mentioned the three people I've read online more than any other. I think Scott is in first place. So this is the show that's very personally meaningful to me. I hope you'll enjoy it too. And what else can I say? Let's get to it. Episode 248 of the John of All Trades podcast features pro wrestling writer Scott Keith, author of five books. He has founded so many sites. I've named them before. I'm not going to do it again because I'm running out of air. But most notably, he is at blogofdoom.com. I'm so excited. This is such a fun chat. And his episode starts right now. And specifically in Saskatchewan here, we're even a little bit more remote than a lot of other places. So we're, uh, we only have like about 250 cases so okay. far in the province. So yeah, it's not, it's not too bad. People are, uh, people are taking it pretty seriously. That's, well, I mean, you, you, I think you have a higher trust in your government than societally we do maybe in, in the U.S. But, um, what, like, what's your perception of the way the U.S. is handling this? And what, what's the, what's the vibe in Canada about what's going on in the U.S.? Uh, total crap show right now, it seems like, especially <laughs> with, with the way that leadership is handling things and uh, finding ways to assign blame and uh, changing stories every hour, seemingly via press conference. Yeah, um, I, I'm always curious about how the U.S. is perceived elsewhere, and this particular administration is... Uh, it's never dull, let's put it that way. I mean, we don't need to get overtly political, but good Lord, it's uh, it's intense. That's true, it's never dull. I'll give you that. <laughs> Certainly never dull. So, okay, this is Scott Keith, the founder of blogofdoom.com. Previously, let's see if we can do all these, um, rspwfaq.com, uh, thesmarks.com, ransylvania.com, uh, former writer at WrestleLine, WrestleManiacs, former writer at uh, The Sporting News, and author of how many books? Four? Five. Five. Man, yeah. I, I knew I was uh, I was going to break that one. Of people on the internet, it's you probably are right near the top, along with Drew McGarry and Roger Ebert, for the people that I have read most. Oh, thanks. <laughs> well, I've been following you since probably 1999 was when I got introduced to WrestleManiacs. Yeah, and I do hear that a lot. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> What was it about that site that you think was so transformative that you guys were acquired by CBS Sportsline to, you know, be folded into their overall wrestling coverage? What was it about that site that captured the imagination of so many people? Do you think? I don't know. I think I, I think it's kind of like most of what we wrote was kind of like from a conversational perspective. Like you know, we were just we weren't like 
professional sports writers or anything like that. We were just guys who came from, you know, kind of like the uh, the internet, uh, RSPW, that sort of uh, that sort of background. And you know, we were just we were just writing about things that people were watching. It all gelled very well together. I think the personalities evolved as well. I think so. Uh, how did you get hooked up with Skya and Samuda and CRZ? Mostly, my my contacts were just through Mike Samuda specifically. Okay. Uh, he kind of tracked me down. I guess he had been reading my stuff on, on RSPW on the, the news groups, and he was a fan of mine, and he wanted to bring me on to the endeavor. Okay, so essentially, um, so Mike was the one who actually owned WrestleManiacs. That's right. Yeah. Okay, and then when you guys got folded into Sportsline, I remember or, or WrestleLine it was called. I remember thinking that was just so great because you all were getting paid in the heady days <laughs> of uh, of the early internet, <laughs> or not early internet, but um, you know, kind of the dot com era. Yeah. How much were you well, guys getting it was paid? Certainly nice. But I was not getting paid anything. Oh, nothing really. Oh no, I didn't make a dime off it. No, it was all for the exposure. <laughs> uh, Mike Samuda uh, sent a few bucks my way. Okay. Uh, a couple of times, just as like a, a side thing, but no, I, uh, I, I, it was it was strictly strictly doing it for exposure. Is, is the way that it ended up for me. Ah, so I can't speak for anybody else on the site, but I did not make any money personally from CBS. I know that uh, Skya said he got paid uh, something for it, but he was doing more like daily news columns. So, yes, uh, Skya was more directly an employee of okay uh, of the site, basically along with Suda. Yeah, but no, uh, I, I know I didn't, and uh, I don't believe Chris Zimmerman ever did either. Okay. Um, do you ever talk to any of those guys anymore? I, I mean, I know we're going way back here, and so this is more than like 20 years ago, but do you ever talk to CRZ or Rick Scott? I never had much of a relationship with CRZ to begin with. Uh, he's kind of largely disappeared now, it seems like. Yeah. Um, off there, he's doing, he was doing his own thing. Um, Sky, I have no idea what's, what's he's going on. His site disappeared a couple of years ago. Yeah. He's kind of vanished off that. Salute is in jail, so I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't know what his deal is. Uh, he, he was, he was a lawyer, and he did uh, he, he did some business deals that were not um, above board. Apparently, yeah, he ended up in jail. So, wow, I, I don't know. I, that was a couple of years ago, last I heard. But so he might be out now. I'm not sure. But, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, if he is out, you know, we are. It is not our intention to slander Mike Smuda, but uh, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, that took quite the turn. Um, it's funny because I got my start writing on the internet. So anyone who is annoyed by my sort of presence and anything that I've ever done, including this podcast can probably blame you a little bit because oh, <laughs> on com you used to have uh, a group called the Rant Crew. And, yes. and these were not your regular kind of contributors that were on the front page, but anyone could kind of write anything um, and submit it and you'd put it up, which I was always infinitely grateful for. Uh, what led you to kind of create that and create this community in your website when you didn't even necessarily have to? Yeah, it was more like I, I, was, just, I, I was looking for content to put out there because it was part of the dot-com boom. Uh, and we're just looking there, you know, advertisers were looking for more and more stuff to put out there. And I just thought, well, this is, uh, this is a solid way to pump out a lot of content without having to do it myself. And hopefully, you know, uh, creates, cause I'm, I'm much like this with man, uh, where I've always, I've always said, you know, I, I can't pay you anything, but I can offer you the opportunity to <laughs> get some exposure on there. And if I can do that and help people out, then that's kind of my main goal. Uh, given what's been happening lately and your criticism of Vincent Rand, it's funny to hear yourself <laughs> compare yourself favorably to Vince. Yeah, well, that's part, parts, parts of him. I was, okay. it's, he had the right idea for some reason, I guess. No, of course. Uh, it's funny because I posted just a handful of things on the Rant crew. People were reading that, and then I got recruited to other sites. And I started writing for them almost exclusively. And at one point, I was recapping Raw, and my recaps were appearing on like 12 different websites. I would just send them in and they'd go up on these different sites. They just wanted the content. You were right. It was such a different yeah. time in the internet where people would actually go to websites. 
So I guess my question to you is, now that we're 20 years later and you've been at this for this long, how has that changed the way that you approach blogofdoom.com versus the way things were in the past? Yeah, well, it's I was certainly making a lot more money than I, I was. It's it's a different, different dynamic now. Um, when I was running Ransylvania and those sort of sites before the bubble burst, uh, we were making more money, but I wasn't actually seeing a lot of it personally. A lot of it was going to website maintenance and... Uh, and paying a couple of people that were associated with it. Uh, I mean, now more, more and like more, I just kind of do it as, as a hobby, uh, to keep myself sane. Um, <laughs> the, the money I make off it, I mean, it's, you know, it, it's, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I do well off of it, but I mean, like, you know, it's, it's not something where I can afford to quit my day job or anything like that and, and, and live off of it. Um, but I mean, like, you know, I, now I, I do, I do much more writing now than I did then. It seems like, uh, yeah. I actually do daily posts, right. Which is, you know, something where I just, uh, I just want to keep in the groove of it and just keep writing all the time, basically, and keep in, keep going like that. Because a lot of times I do feel like if I if I ever did stop for any long periods of time, then I wouldn't get back into it again. Uh, kind of thing that happened to me around 2006 or so. Um, so it's just kind of like, uh, yeah, I'm just I just feel like the constant constant drive just to keep creating, basically, and just keep putting the content out there. And, and thankfully, I have a very loyal group of people who have followed me for all this time, and I'm very appreciative of it. Yeah, it's well I I'm grateful for the fact that you're doing like daily reviews of stuff because that you're right that wasn't always the case. I was always like really jazzed when you do a new rant. Now that that's every day, I I almost feel a little bit spoiled because it's uh, a review of what can be an hour show, sometimes a 3-hour show if we're talking WrestleMania like 6 or 7 hours. <laughs> um yeah. In addition to like daily mailbag questions, what's your inbox look like? I have a lot of stuff in my inbox. Uh, I try to weed through as much as I can. I usually take the two or three most interesting questions, but uh, yeah, I, I literally have a little 4,000 emails sitting in, in Gmail right now. So I don't, I never delete anything. I, I was just, I, I usually just leave it and I'll be like, Oh, well, I'll get back to that one tomorrow. Maybe. Just try to keep it, you know, keep on top of it. Think to myself, Oh, you know, I'll, I'll answer this tomorrow. If it's something, you know, but uh, normally I try to pick whatever is most timely or whatever seems to like, it'll have the most interesting responses coming up on it. First of all, and then work from there. Okay. Right. Which, um, if, if you could put, uh, an absolute moratorium or an end, not a moratorium, an end on any types of questions, I think I can probably guess, but what would they be? It's gotta be the invasion questions, which I still get to this day. The Montreal Re questions. <laughs> Rebooking the invasion. Rebooking invasion. Yeah. Rebooking Stark 889 was a really popular one for a long time. <laughs> John Cena heel turn, which has died down a lot, but Roman Reigns heel turn kind of came and replaced it. <laughs> To, to a large degree. Anytime we talk about anything about Montreal or Bret Hart related, then questions start flowing in again about it, you know, so. Yeah, what about Mount Rushmore's? Mount, Mount Rushmore's, yeah. Those have died off a lot. That was, I think that was, that was more of a momentary thing on, on my part. But, you know, Lex Luger, always a popular topic of this conversation as well. Luger, take a drink. Luger, take a drink, absolutely. <laughs> There's a reason for it, you know. That's right. Well, I mean, Luger is one of the most fascinating sort of people in the history of pro wrestling just because... His career was just so odd where it's like he's the guy, but he's not the guy. He's the guy, but yeah. he's not the guy. And so there's there's a lot of fodder there for it. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Like uh, reading about the, the older observers with him where Dave is constantly just busting on him for, and, you know, kind of backhanded busting on him where he talks about how, you know, Luger's the guy who's done most with the least basically in the business, right? He's made so much money by <laughs> offering really nothing in return to the business. All <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Luger, Luger's a weird guy. Um, you've always been very, uh, very good about answering my questions. Are there, and I'm not going to ask you to name names here, but are there people in your inbox where you see a question come through and you go, Oh God. And do they bust you up over not answering it? 
Ah, uh, sometimes there's. I, I have a very particular type of people who are this ones who like. Uh, actually, I just just popped up again last night. In fact, uh, somebody who who sends in a series of like literally everyday questions. It'll just be like short, dumb questions, uh, basically. And then and then finally, he revealed himself as one of the numerous Trump trolls <laughs> who got on there. And and like it's I don't know if it's, it's like like a heel turn, right? Like he'll, he'll suddenly you know he would send, and then he would suddenly send me this angry email, calling me on the carpet for my hypocrisy and. Uh, you know, because because I'm I because I'll, I'll go back to WWE after busting on them for all this terrible stuff that they're doing and blah blah blah. And it's all like, right. well, you know, it's like it's I kind of I kind of suspect who he was because he was under a different name before and and changed that. So like he's you know people it's it's really weird they're like working a character like you know under the pretense of asking me all these all these these questions and sometimes I answer some of them but like usually I end up getting more annoyed with it than anything else. And well, uh, after well, I ignore him for a while, then he, he then he gets then he gets mad. Well, it's like a, uh, it's almost like the end of an episode of Scooby Doo, where uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, that's, that's actually the reply that I said to him. I was like, "Aha! No, I see your secret identity has finally revealed itself." So. Yeah, well, and then, I, and then I block him, and then hopefully he goes away. Yeah, it's got to be weird, given that you've been at this for so long. And I remember when I was writing on the, I mean, about Raw. I, I recapped Raw every week for God. I only made it three years or so, maybe not even three years. But it was from 2000 to 2003, and right about the time of Katie Vick, I had to tap out. Yeah. Because I was in college, and they run this terrible angle, and I was really, really bored by the brand extension because I was busy like on Thursday nights, so I couldn't watch SmackDown. I was stuck watching Raw, and Raw was just kind of a chore to watch. But I yeah. remember I used to get a ton of like hate mail when I would make fun of Jeff Hardy or something. Yeah. <laughs> and... Have you ever gotten anything that is sort of overtly threatening? Is there anything where you where you paused and went, "Ooh, okay, this is a little bit. Uh, this makes me uncomfortable." Well, I mean, mostly, honestly, mostly whenever I mention anything about Donald Trump, that's when they they come out of the woodwork. Then, and that, that's where I get most of the real the real hate mongering that that comes out of people. It's like the people who support him are just vitriolic with the things that like the things that they said. Like if I had, I've had them try to hack the website and. Oh, you know, wow. threaten to sue me and all sorts of crazy stuff like that. Yeah. Like it's really not. It's usually it's so much now. It's not really many people as far as wrestlers go, because there's honestly not a lot of kind of uh, passion from people towards wrestling at this specific point. Right. Um, obviously there's a lot right now. Most of it is like the, my perceived bias towards AEW or whatever nonsense that they're. Oh, like you're on the AEW payroll. Yeah. That, that bullshit, man. I wish I was on the AEW payroll. I tell you <laughs> that <laughs> doing much better. That would be exceptional. Uh, that would be exceptional. Yes, I'd love. Hey, Tony Khan wants to come to my house and cut me a check. Although Tony Khan apparently was a was a reader of mine, is what I. Oh no, kidding! He did. Yeah, he did a podcast, and he was like, "Oh yeah, no, I used to read. I used to read rspwfact.com, Blah blah. I'm like, oh, okay. So, wow, that was pretty cool. Dude, that's a yeah. that's a nice shout out. Yeah, I know. I was I was very impressed. Yeah, my friends immediately texted me. They're like, "Dude, did you read?" I'm just like, oh, okay. That's you, cool. <laughs> you've kind of hinted at this before, but. Do you have any wrestlers that read you? Like, do you interact with anyone? I, I feel like you mentioned Edge at one point, but it, yeah, I mean, Ed, Edge a little bit. It's not not so much anymore. They don't really, they like they don't really let me know. But it, certainly, uh, most during the height of the WrestleMania stuff, yeah, there was a few of them that were that were there. I had most of my relationships with them go sour pretty quickly because I'll give them a bad review on a match and they'll freak out because wrestlers <laughs> are pretty thin skinned. Um, I was I was friends with um, WWE writer Ed Koski for a long time. Oh, well, wow. I haven't talked to him in a while, but yeah, no, he was, he was, he was, he was, he would always hook me up with tickets and stuff, which was really cool. So for a long time, I would hit him up and he would get me 
he would get me really good. He was psyched. That's where I got the tickets for my uh, my famous direction, the Shane McMahon. So. Oh, the Shane McMahon story. I the told, Shane McMahon story, yeah. <laughs> I told that to my wife, and she thought it was just about the funniest thing she'd ever heard. Yeah, that was quite the night. (laughs) And I told her that story because we were at the Royal Rumble in Phoenix. So what was that, 19? And uh, this guy behind us, like seriously, uh, would not stop yelling, show your puppies. And um, I, I turned to him and I go, dude, you have got to stop that. And he goes, why, man? It's funny. I go, it wasn't funny 20 years ago when Lawler did it. It's not funny now, okay, man? Shut up. And so, uh, and I was a little bit in the bag at that point, but I asked her later and I said, was that out of line or did everyone appreciate that? She goes, no, I talked to everyone. They really appreciated that. Thank you for saying that. And so I told her the Shane McMahon story, telling your friend to shut up and give him a hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> so that, I mean, that goes a long way. It's, uh, yeah. it's like Costanza. Yeah. It still blows me away. It's, yeah. It was real. It was a real hundred dollar bill. Too. So it's like, Hey. <laughs> Hey, uh, that's if nothing else. I can use this for a story later on. So that was, I did the money. It was, you know, I didn't, I didn't get any money out of it, but Hey, that's like, so I, I've been milking that story for a while. Now, so <laughs> nice. Yeah. You, you can milk that one for, for a good long bit. Um, I was at takeover in Chicago, uh, this most recent one, the most recent war games one with the, uh, Dakota Kai heel turn, which was awesome live, by the way, Pete, like you could feel it build in the crowd a little bit. You're like, why isn't she going to the ring? Uh Oh, uh oh. And then she slams the door on Tegan Knox and the crowd just absolutely lost their minds. But that was the first time I've ever sat on the hard camera side. So not facing the hard camera, but where the hard camera is. It was uh-huh. like right next to us. And the Shane McMahon story, that's kind of where you guys were sitting, right? Yeah, we were sitting right beside the hard camera. I was actually sitting other side of the hard camera for a backlash in Edmonton the night before. Okay. Uh, the, the Chris the Chris Benoit triple threat match. With and uh yeah, and actually I was sitting with Nidia and uh, Chuck Palumbo. For that show, so that was that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, the next then, yeah the next thing was the other side. I guess it was kind of like basically like yeah, it was the, the comp tickets there were like it was wrestler tickets, and they were kind of being. I, I guess Val Venus actually specifically was giving those ones out because I'd got the ones that I was originally sitting way up in the nosebleeds, and, and uh, when I got to the arena, basically um, somebody one of Val's friends, I guess, was there and he traded tickets for everybody because they wanted more people in that particular section for whatever reason. I don't know. But yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty cool. So it's sitting, and you can see, um, I always find it fascinating because, you know, I, you, you're watching the soundboard guys doing their work there, you know, and you can, you can oh, check yeah. out, you know, follow, they're following along with the scripts and all doing all that kind of stuff, which is kind of a really neat, uh, really neat perspective on everything, which I, I hadn't really seen before. They're bored out of their minds watching these shows. These guys are, <laughs> these guys are not wrestling fans. They're busy watching the hockey game on, on CBC or whatever while they're, they're, they're running the show kind of thing. So yeah, no, they're pure technicians. They're, they're, they're pure technicians. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I produce, I always tell people cause I produce a number of other podcasts professionally. So this is kind of my flagship show. And, uh, by the way, I'm pure girl dad here. You can see my manicure, which is really nice. Um, oh, as, I have a nine year old daughter. I understand. Oh, I know, you know. So, uh, as, as I'm gesturing, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. I have my fingernails painted. That's really funny. So, um, I tell people like they go, oh, you produce podcasts. What are they? I go, they're probably not ones you're going to want to listen to because they're not iTunes top 100. We're not doing this for entertainment. They're like business focused podcasts. Listen to my show, my show rules, but, um, you know, the rest of them, you kind of prove that you can do something and then you go and find something that you, that you enjoy the process of doing. You may not love the product. Like these guys clearly love being technicians because I saw the exact same thing you did. They're not wrestling fans. It's probably good that they're not. Otherwise the show might not run as smoothly. Yeah, no, exactly. So they're very, they, they also detached from it. That's yeah. So I'm curious. So you're writing every day. 
how does that like how do you balance your day job and if if you don't want to talk about what you do for your day job that's fine but i mean it's a typical like 40 hour week right yeah exactly yeah i mean usually i come home yeah i'll i'll you know have supper with the family everything like that normally my wife goes to bed fairly early so i have some time for myself so usually it's like you know from like nine o'clock to eleven o'clock i have a couple of hours to to mess around and yeah usually i'll watch uh at that point i'll, I'll squeeze a show in there or, or you know do a repost or, or whatever and uh yeah, it's 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 easy enough to balance. That's why I'm always, I mean, I do I do like to have you know time with my my family and stuff, which is why I always emphasize with people, you know, I really don't want to go through and do all these three hour pay per views. You know, like right. I could I could do it as a special thing every once in a while, right? But I mean, ultimately, I, I like to have my life. So you know, doing one of the you know the forty minute superstars on or Heat or whatever on WWE Network is ideal because you know I can go in, bang that out and like in in forty minutes, I get tons of material out of it. Yeah, it, they always do really great. And then I can move on with my life again. So that's 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 what I really like is uh, shows where it's uh, low effort to recap, but I get lots of things to talk about out of it. Those those are the ones that uh, that really work the best for me. Well, it's I, I know there's a popular sentiment on the blog. They like Angry Scott. Yes, um, they do. <laughs> um, and and not as excited about uh, necessarily maybe Scott being excited about a certain type of product. Although I will say I think the difference there is maybe NWA power. And AEW recaps, like it's fun to for for someone that I've been reading for as long as I have for you to be this excited about wrestling still because I'm kind of the same way. This this is an, an amazing yeah. time to be a wrestling fan. Yeah, Dynamite is by far the most popular thing on the blog, so that's that 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 is one thing where the the rule doesn't necessarily apply. Where that's good. Where, where yeah, yeah. How do you balance sort of rants where you're happy, excited, Scott, or you know, middle of the road, Scott, versus angry, Scott? Because I know when I was recapping, the, the stuff where I was pissed off always did the best, but it became a chore to watch, and I started to really dread doing my recaps because I knew I was going to get great material out of it, but I was going to yeah. get frustrated by it. How do you balance that? Yeah, that was always the thing, especially um, recently with SmackDown. Oh, you go. Oh, SmackDown was doing really, really well. And, but I was really, really hating watching it. Like it was just annoying me to no end. And, and you know, and, and obviously it did really well from that regard because you know it was Angry Scott, right? People were <laughs> people were really into that that type of thing. But yeah, I just couldn't deal with with doing it anymore. I, I do actually have to credit a lot NWA Power and Dynamite though for for helping because yeah, like that's they they definitely gave me something to look forward to because I can balance it out then with the shows that I hate for the rest of the week kind of thing and yeah I mean you know hey can I watch two hours of Dynamite no problem I'm back and back in a good mood again same with NWA Power um it's really it really kind of bumming me out that Power is on such a long delay now because of everything because yeah that was that was one of the best parts of the week and uh, I've been going back and doing the older ones but they're not doing any kind of numbers on the blog so that seems kind of pointless to continue on with that which is. Uh, Power, power itself never really did much. That was more, more better for my mood than for, you know, any kind of, uh, any kind of big business on the blog. But, uh, like I say, dynamite was just like a godsend for me for, for, for getting through the week and, uh, you know, doing that, that stuff, especially balanced out against SmackDown. And, and the fact that it was so massively popular on the blog too was a nice bonus. So gave me something to do. Although I'm, I'm, I'm a little over the empty arena stuff now at this point. So I'm not, I'm strongly debating dropping dropping dynamite for the time being until everything gets straightened out. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll, well see how it goes tonight. Actually, as, as, as of, as of taping this, uh, dynamite yeah. is on tonight and I haven't decided yet if I'm going to do it. Or not tonight, okay. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Well, we'll know. I mean, we'll know by the time this episode is up, whether or not you did it. Yeah. I too am kind of over the empty arena stuff, but I, I mean, I, I got back in, God damn it, because of CM Punk and, uh, and Daniel Bryan. So the whole summer of punk thing, Daniel Bryan losing yeah. to Sheamus in wh- however many seconds that was. 
that sucked me back in. And then it was NXT that really like that put me back in the, the hour a week. That's all I had to spend. I didn't have to dedicate five hours of my life per week to oh, yeah, exactly. like, staying up. And now NXT is two hours and I'm not loving it as much as I used to. It's frustrating. Yeah, no, to me. I, I really fell out of NXT for that. like, uh, even, even the takeovers now, uh, it's just so much triple H and HBK fingerprints all over the agenting now. And just, it's just all the matches going 25 minutes to 30 minutes each. It's, it's getting to be, getting to be much. Somebody's got to step in and, uh, maybe let them down to tone down. But yeah, like the weekly show, I'm just, especially, uh, I, I would have been, you know, NXT doesn't air in Canada. Mm. Um, as it is now because of the way it goes, right? Like it takes, it's like Friday afternoon. I think it is that it finally does show up. Uh, I would have given it a shot, but like just, yeah, the two, two hour format is just not, not right for the show. Uh, the, the hour was fine, but even then with the hour show, it was, it was, it was coming to a point where it, just, it didn't feel like anything was happening between the takeovers mm. on the shows. Like it got to be really, really filler. And I kind of, I really fell out on the, off the NXT train for a while there. I mean, it's still, it's an enjoyable show if I watched it then. I'm sure that I would enjoy it, but I just, I have, I have no desire. And, and it's kind of a fault of the takeovers almost that they do such an exceptional job mm-hmm. of catching everybody up with the video packages. Cause you can honestly you just watch a takeover and you're like, all right, well, I know everything I need to know from these weekly TV shows full of swashes. Right? I, you know what? There's probably some merit to that. I kind of enjoyed the hour long show when they would tape like three or four of them, but it, just like WWE in the old nineties or in the mid nineties, by you could tell when we got to the end of a taping cycle. Because the crowd is kind of bored by all this, and like, there's only so many entrances you can watch, um, especially if the same guys coming out again and again. But they did a nice job of really not keeping everyone on every single week, which I really, really enjoyed. You compare that against Raw or SmackDown or something, and you've got these guys coming out every single week. Like, why do we need so many segments of Baron Corbin? Um, <laughs> you know that that's a character that works pretty well, admittedly, in small doses, but yeah, very small doses. Yes. <laughs> I, and I'm being charitable. Like this is well. I mean, and and I'm been, and, you know, I've I've been watching the, the three hour empty arena loss because like you know who can possibly do that except for poor Tommy Hall on my blog who recaps everything. But like he's doing yeoman's uh, work. He's doing yeoman's work. That boy, I tell you. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like it's the same thing. Like they have these those endless segments with uh, with like Street Profits and Bianca Belair, and they like they do these like forty minute segments where they're switching out tag matches with them and you know Angel Garza and all that. And it's like who. It's, who could possibly want to sit and watch this for like all this time? Like, why do we need all these segments with these people that nobody cares about like this? Like, they're, you're killing your own star power. You you really are. You're burning everyone out because I'm a huge Street Profits mark. Uh, when they came out, I go more of this. Like, I wanted Montez Ford, but they did a good job of doling him out sort of uh, judiciously. And now there's so much Street Profits. At, like, I have my Street Profits shirt, and I go, okay, I was way ahead of the curve on this. Not to sound like too much of a hipster. But uh, the, these were my guys, and now I'm like, now I'm sick to death of looking at you. Yeah. And so I, like, I just, I don't understand that business model. So, but yeah, no, I just, yeah, it's really, really strange era right now. I don't even understand why Raw needs to be live with this <laughs> stuff, honestly. But like, that's that's a whole other kettle of fish. No, I think you coined this the content era, which the it content is. Content era, yes, exactly. Uh, good, bad, indifferent. It's all content, right? Absolutely. Yep. So there's just so much of it. So okay. One of the other things I was curious about was you do a review kind of every, I mean, every single day, which again is a gift and I appreciate it. How come yeah. we don't write essays anymore? I don't know. I, I kind of, kind of lost my mojo there with those ones. I just, I don't know. I never, I, I feel like uh, writing the books, I kind of said everything I wanted to say oh, in long yeah. form. 
Yeah, I just I I don't know. It doesn't. I just I don't have much I want to like. I don't I don't get that passionate about that kind of stuff anymore. It's, I really find I, I really need something to trigger my trigger my emotional response on stuff. I guess so. Like I have to actually be actually watching the show. And otherwise, I just I just don't think about this stuff anymore. Like I'm just not. <laughs> I'm not so worked up about all these kinds of things where I have to sit down and do an angry rant on it. And if I'm going to, normally I'll just be like, oh, well, hey, I'll just do it as like a blog post and throw it on there, right? <laughs> totally. Um, that's that's a fascinating perspective because I've watched the evolution of your writing style. And um, I'll tell you, I was in college, so I was devouring your back catalog. And I happened to be reading the review of Royal Rumble 94. And your description of the whole clusterfuck that happened with Yokozuna and Undertaker, I nearly yeah. choked to death from laughing so hard. Talking about, you know, Marty Jannetty ascending to the rafters and, you know, you're humming personal Jesus to yourself. Yes. <laughs> that rant to me, like that, that put me, <laughs> that put me over the edge. But your running style, I would say, is toned down quite a bit from those days. Oh, yes. Uh, it certainly has. Is that, uh, was that a conscious choice or is that kind of an outgrowth? of your evolution as a person and you're much more mellowed out now than you used to be. Yeah. I think, I think it's a lot more, I'm a lot, I'm a lot more mellow now. I don't drink anymore. So like that's, uh, <laughs> I, I used to, I used to get pretty, uh, I used to get pretty hammered and pretty lit up. Kind of what's, yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. So there's, there's a lot of that. Um, I used to, I used to watch shows with, uh, with, with a group of friends and we'd get all riled up watching it. And then I'd, you know, I take notes in the moment and, and do it later. So there's not a lot of that anymore either. I mean, I, I just watch by myself now on my headphones and my laptop kind of thing. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, I think, I think it's, it's just kind of like, I mean, personally, I, I, I read a lot of that older stuff and I, I hate it. Like, I oh, sure. Just, yeah. It's like anything, anything, honestly, anything I've written before, like about 2005, I consider to be fodder for being re- redone. Okay. Pretty much like that's, that's really when everything solidified for me as far as the writing style that I wanted to have. And, and what I consider to be kind of like my modern style, basically like that. So yeah, I, I don't know. I find, I do find a lot of it a little, you know, a little embarrassing. There's, you know, I've, angry Scott is fun, but angry Scott said some really stupid and uh, regrettable things to about things. So, you know, it's people change. And uh, I, I like, I like to, you know, make sure that uh, at least I'm, I'm writing stuff that can be viewed on without, you know, cringing when you're reading kind of thing. No, I'm inclined to agree because I went back and reread, some of my old like raw recaps and I go, Whoa, dude, what was your problem here? There are way too many gay jokes in here. Like, oh, yeah, and, and exactly. I'm talking about me, like, and so, you know, you, you grow, you change, you sort of evolve and you go, that's really not a cool thing to do, especially like in the written word where this is out into the world. You're right. I mean, I have some regret with some of the things that I've written in the past too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, there are people who still bring stuff that bring up stuff that I've, I've read and I've written in the past, you know, and it's like, well, okay, <laughs> fair enough. So as a result of sort of your popularity, where, like, so where do you gauge yourself in terms of this wrestling universe? Uh, you've outlasted many of the people that I read when I, I came onto the scene here and started reading about pro wrestling on the internet. Where do you view your place sort of in the, what did we used to call it? The IWC? You know, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I hate that term so much. <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, but, I mean, that is what we called it at the time, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we, I, uh, we wore onions on our belt because it was the style at the time. It was the style at the time, <laughs> yes. Just, just, the way, just the way everybody gets painted with the same paintbrush there. Like, oh, the IWC feels blah, blah, blah. It's like, are you kidding? Totally. There's, there's, I can't even get a consensus of opinion on my blog. Where, you know, like, <laughs> but, I mean, you've, you've got five books now. You've been at this for a long time. You said you do well. So this is more than just a hobby. It's kind of like it's a side hustle. It's not going to replace your day job. Right. But I think that's uh, a higher degree of success than 
what, 95, 99% of people who have written on the internet about wrestling? Oh, yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, I mean, I say I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful for everything that I do get out of this from my fan base. Like, they're, they're awesome. It blows my mind. I started a Patreon and people, like, contribute a couple hundred bucks a month to me. And it's like, it's like, come on. Like, what? Like, why, why are you sending me money? Like, come on. Like, come on. Well, you asked. So that's. So, so like, here's the thing. Uh, I always tell that to people. I'm like, give people the opportunity to say yes. And so you're like, hey, if you want to kick me a few bucks on Patreon, I go, I have gotten more than my money's worth for free um, for you for 20 years. I'm like, yeah, I can kick you some money, dude. So I, I, I think that's only fair that give people the opportunity to say yes. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, and like, it's like I said, I'm super grateful uh, honestly, I, like I said, I view this as a hobby. I'd still keep doing it, even if the money dried up, which it rapidly is now, thanks to COVID nineteen. Yeah, <laughs> are your page views down? No, actually, uh, my page. Yeah, my page views are way down. Okay. Um, it's it's not. It's Google Google ad revenue is not too bad, but it's noticeably down. And uh, mm. yeah, like as an example, like the top show on the blog, Dynamite, would normally do about nine thousand page views. Uh, for standard one now it's down to about three thousand, and that's that's still the top one on, on the blog. So like it's, uh, I, it's it's people are very mystified. I've been talking to people about it. And yeah, it's it, you'd think that people would be you know home all day reading, reading the stuff in there. So I I, I honestly don't understand the. It, it seems to be a lot lot everywhere where everything's kind of kind of down like that. So that's weird too, because I mean, so from nine thousand to about three thousand in terms of my business, like my consulting business, my day to day business, uh, I'm down by about 60 to 70 percent too just yeah that that seems to be the case for everyone and it's it's weird because you're right it feels like more people should be engaged with this yet you're down and i i don't know how to make sense of that i i don't know either uh wrestlemania was way down was just wrestlemania did did less than a normal tv show does basically Mm -hmm. on there for example as well um that that was definitely based on mainstream appeal of the show as well though because that that show was way down and also in in Google Trends and everything like that in general for WWE so I mean that's mildly understandable but normally Wrestlemania carries the order for me and in this case it definitely did not at all so I I don't know I I, I really don't it's it's a strange new world we're living in and what a terrible time of year for this to uh, to happen then right oh I know exactly yeah why why don't people think of me personally right (laughs) you know like this this virus is really inconsiderate Exactly. That's what I'm telling people. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just not consulted any of us in terms of what we need to do and, and, and the things that we need from our society because I was having a killer first quarter this year business-wise, and now, like I said, I'm down 60 70%. sucks. Yeah. Yeah, but like I say, it's, I, I, just, I just keep banging away. And I, it's, it's, it's the case where you, know, you can't do anything about it anyway, right? So, you know, it's just keep doing what I'm doing, and uh, hopefully it'll pick up again. That's, that's all I can do. Yeah, well, I mean, I can tell you, I will be continuing to read it, and it's it's for things like it's funny. I uh, I texted my friend just telling him um, that I was talking to you because he's the one. So my friend Stephen introduced me to WrestleManiacs. I, I used to go to his house. My house was very slow in getting internet. My parents were not real computer savvy, so I went to his house. He was into it. He showed it to me. I go, people talk like this, dude. This is how I think about wrestling, because <laughs> when I was a kid. I remember my favorite character. I'm like five and six years old. My favorite character was Bobby Heenan. And like, it was also Hulk Hogan because Hulk Hogan was a superhero. But I remember, and people always ask me, like, why didn't you like Hulk Hogan? And I go, well, January 19th, 1992. It was the Royal Rumble. He gets eliminated fair and square and then throws just a bitch fit about it. 
<laughs> and I and I started. It was almost like a Kaiser Soze moment for me, where I go, "Oh, Hogan's always been this whiner. He's always been this cheater. He's yes, al- he has. like he's never played fair." And I go, "Wait a minute!" And that that totally changed my fandom. Um, so I, I suppose, Mike, I think there's a question in here somewhere, but um, who is responsible for you getting into wrestling? Because my dad did, because my dad grew up in Chicago, was an old AWA guy, and so he used yeah. to show me uh, what was going on in the AWA. He still talks about Nick Bockwinkle in like way too much detail for me. But what ultimately led to you getting into this? Well, I mean, my dad used to watch Stampede Wrestling all the time. Okay. Uh, we lived in, we lived in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, well, not in Vancouver, town near it, yeah. Vancouver, called, Ma- Ma- near, called Maple Ridge, but yeah. Um, so we got Stampede Wrestling. We got Al Tonko's uh, All Star Wrestling, which was terrible, but you know, very formative. <laughs> Did you get any of the uh, Portland stuff while you were up there, like uh, Billy Jack Haynes and Roddy Piper and stuff? To in small degrees, yeah. Um, I we had there was a, a station in Seattle or Tacoma, I can't remember Bellingham, maybe. Anyway, they had they had like the five hour wrestling block. Okay. And they'd have like superstars and uh, worldwide wrestling, and then usually they'd have a rotating couple hours like with Glow or there's like pro wrestling this week or you know like like Portland or whatever was was in their time. So there was actually a pretty wide exposure of stuff that uh, I was able to watch in there. So kind of it kind of varied based on when exactly I was watching. But uh, yeah, there was there was definitely rotational stuff that was. So we got a lot of cool things out of there. But uh, yeah, like I was never really a fan. But I, you know, my dad was watching Stampede, and I'd, I'd be in the background. And I was kind of disdainful of it, and uh, and I watched a lot of it. Like you know, in, uh, I remember a lot of it later on, basically because it was it was stuff that I had been watching, but I wasn't really paying that much attention to it. But I actually was kind of watching, I guess. And then, yeah, it kind of solidified with uh, WrestleMania two. Really, that was so my, that, that was my first one too. Like that, that was a big one for me because my dad taped it off of Showtime of all things. Oh, well, we, we it was for my for my birthday. Uh, in 86, my mom uh, rented the video because my friends that were over there were into, you know, into wrestling and they wanted to watch it. So we, uh, we watched that and then I was kind of like, oh, okay, this is, this is kind of cool, I guess. And then, you know, they, they did the Hogan Orndorff uh, turn and I was like, okay, well, <laughs> I guess I will just watch this for the next 40 years of my life then. And, uh, yeah. they got me. <laughs> actually, yeah. that, that specifically, it actually, and the, uh, the, the, the Roddy Piper and the flower shop stuff was a really, Really funny because that's that was the first one where I was watching that that provoked a real emotional reaction in me. I was like, I was like, oh man, I hope he kicks this guy's ass now, you know, right? So <laughs> totally money so drawn heat, money drawn heat. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I remember I watched WrestleMania two so many times because when you're a kid, you're not good at figuring out when things are on and always like tuning into them. So I watched WrestleMania two over and over again, and I think you'll be amused by this. My favorite guys were the British Bulldogs. Uh, Ricky Steamboat because he jumped off the top rope and I even started writing Ricky on the top of my like papers when I was a kid. I just changed Sweet. my name to Ricky. And then uh, Bret Hart because he wore sunglasses. And like it was as simple as that. And sometimes I feel like WWE overthinks this. When you're a kid, I'm like, that guy's wearing sunglasses. He must be cool. And That's right. he was. He lasted to the end with Andre the Giant in that battle royal. My other favorite guy was Bill Fralick. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, I just thought he was cool looking. He was handsome, and he stood up to Big John Studd, who was just really, really mean in that promo that they had. And I'm like, yep, this guy's cool. And then he never wrestled again, as far as I knew. That's true, yeah. Well, you know, you like you like, right? So, Are there guys that you like? You've probably talked about this on the blog, because I can't imagine asking you something that you haven't answered already when it comes to wrestling. <laughs> yeah. But yes. are are there guys that you love that 
kind of don't make sense to you. Like, I've always loved the Barbarian, at least until he went to WCW. But I always thought Barbarian's matches were kind of underrated. Like, when he was in WWE, late 80s, early 90s, I just, I love the Barbarian. Do you have guys like that? I tell you, man, uh, just over the years, I've gained such an appreciation for Haku. <laughs> like, oh, totally. I just, I never realized how awesome that dude was until, like, until I started doing this for a living, you know, like just, just watching this stuff and it's just like, God, why, why did they give this guy a bigger push? Honestly, like that, the whole, the whole deal worked so well, the Tongan death group. And he was just, he, he just, he just sold his own, you know, tough guy persona so well. And, uh, yeah, I just, oh, just, I wish, I wish I had been more understanding. Like I was really, I was cool with him in the Islanders. Uh, then he went for the whole King Haku thing, which was kind of lame, but you know, the super kick was always a cool finisher. Yeah, it was kind of hokey like, when he was king. Yeah, maybe. yeah, exactly. But I mean, they, they totally wasted that guy, man. Like he, him and him and Barbarian should have been a top team for a while, and they they just did nothing with them. And uh, they moved to WCW, and they were kind of like the the weird Dungeon of Doom thing. And yeah. they they, they could have gotten so much mileage out of that, man. Like he's especially with the UFC coming up like that. Like everybody, like Haku Torek, dude's eye out. Like come on. <laughs> Well, dude, I mean, the thing about this is uh, the mythology of Haku, how do you not fold some of that into a character and at least make him, you know, more of a credible threat to someone like Hogan or Ultimate Warrior? Oh, I know. It, well, it, and that's, that's the thing, too. And, like, the whole thing with Haku, with, especially with Meng and WCW, is based on how tough he was. But nobody ever ever told you or showed you. They was always just based on these, like, backroom backstage whispers about his about his toughness. And, like, they never did anything to establish that on screen, you know? Like, how... Had they done that, he would have been awesome. Yeah. No, he would have been killer. Like, there's so much to work with, and you just sort of miss it. And you go, why? Like, who? Why Why didn't someone kind of put this together? Because the best characters are the real guys with their with them amped up. And you're right. I mean, yeah. there was the Monster Mang, but there was, there was no sort of mythology behind it. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I'm with you. Wish you would have given me something to work with him, because I, I would have appreciated him so much more. And, you know, like I say, he's... He's just—he's tremendous. His kids are tremendous too. I mean, yeah. It's, I mean, you know, that's—that's—that's that's, that's not. I don't think they're ever going to come to the states or anything like that. But yeah, like his uh, his kids have improved so much as uh, you know, Grillo's a destiny, and uh, so so much better from where they were when WWE had uh, what was he? Who was working with Camacho or whatever it was? Like is, is the oh the right, your Samoan one or yeah, the Samoan the Samoan biker or whatever it was that he was doing when he was there like that. You know, it's just it's, he's so much better off now. Yeah, no, uh, 100% agree. Um, I would be remiss if I, if in this interview I didn't bring up my favorite nickname you ever had, because you don't do the nicknames anymore. That was kind of like a cutesy thing. Yeah, like, it's kind of a relic of the past, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite one, I, and I, I don't know why, it just tickles me just right. The fact that you referred to Ice Train as Juice Train. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that was not even mine. That was actually, that was Herb Coons. Okay. <laughs> I, I've stolen a lot of quality material from him over the years, actually. Um, Herb Coons. What was the Herb Coons armbar? The Herb Coons armbar was a Fujiwara armbar. Okay. <laughs> but the things, but but like it, 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 was, it triggered him so much on the news groups. Like people would use it without uh, attributing it properly. That like yeah, that, and everybody was always really terrible at it as well, right? So so people would start calling it that just about him, basically. Okay. And Herb, Herb, Herb was also the originator of the the amazing story behind the uh, stump puller submission. Big Billy Busick using it as his finish, mm-hmm. and apparently the 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 pain of the move was that he did it and then he got an erection and grounded into the neck of the person receiving the hold. <laughs> so that's why they immediately submitted to it. So, so that was that was from him as well. 
That's uh, that's quality. I had forgotten that. God, big bully Busick too. Big bully Busick, yes. Um, you know, he was, he was another guy I chatted with online for a little while as well before the relationship went sour. Oh no, kidding. What's he like? Yeah, it was like a couple. Of, we, we exchanged some emails and then yeah, like it's just the usual type of thing where like he goes into wrestler cutting a problem mode and I'm just like okay, so see you later, buddy. But, uh, I uh, I'm friends with a promoter here in Denver, and so he runs a promotion called Lucha Libre and Laughs, which is great it's i mean he brings in good people he pays his folks he's got kind of like ongoing storylines terrific guy i love this promotion and it's always good to get out and support your local promotion too but he tells like the funniest stories about trying to book you know vader or honky tonk man some of these guys who are pretty old at this point and he's like their asking fee is as much as the whole gate yeah and he goes what do you think this is like (laughs) where do you think you are um, and it's always weird to me when wrestlers get too big for their britches, and it reminds me of, uh, I don't know if he's still making these videos, but Damian Demento online. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was doing that for tr- I think he might still be, actually. I haven't looked him up in a while, but yeah, he had some tremendous YouTube conspiracy videos that he was doing there. Yeah. He- going, don't call me a job. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then it's like, uh, yeah, he's sitting there very angry, like, I am not a jobber. It's like, you're Damian Demento, bro. Yeah, I, I, I have to take exception with that. I'm not... You know, yeah, not, not, not 100% sure of your police work here. Really. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a quality Fargo drop. I like that. Okay. I so use that one. That's true. That's that's on the blog quite a bit, where if someone puts a kind of a specious theory to you, you uh, you give them the good line. I mean, that you can't beat that one. Okay. So uh, I'm curious. Uh, here's a different kind of question, because I don't think you've um, I don't think you've talked about this in great detail. Do you read a lot of wrestler books? Uh, I just finished JR's new book. They sent me that one. They, the thing, the thing is, the publishing company sent me so many books. I don't have a chance to read a lot of them. But, okay. Uh, I did really enjoy the JR one. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, I, I always feel bad because, like, I don't have a lot of time to actually read physical books. Yeah. All the time, but I, I, I definitely made time for the JR one. How is um, it? I have. It, oh, it was excellent. Yeah. It was really, really interesting book. It kind of lost steam at the end, I think. But okay. uh, he had some fascinating. It's, it's really interesting. The JR book is a more fascinating look into the mind of Vince McMahon than it is into the career of JR, I think. Okay. And yeah, it's just, it, uh, he's going a lot of the, you know, the stories that we've heard and, but it makes kind of an interesting dynamic because you, know, you almost feel like, like, you know, Jim is kind of a battered housewife almost uh. at a certain point where he talks about all the terrible shit that Vince put him through. And then he's like, well, but then I, I turned around and signed a new contract. Cause you know, I, I wanted to provide for my family. And I was like, well, dude, why would you keep signing a contract with this guy? who's clearly abusing his relationship with you so wow it was really really fascinating from that regard i would recommend that one yeah that's a good one um, I, I've, I've been reading death of the territories as well yeah he's oh, those those tim hornbacher is an amazing writer but i enjoyed that one and this one on the mwa as well actually it was really really great it's usually if, I, if i'm going off to uh, uh going out of town to uh, my wife's family's to visit them, they're, they're, they live out in a remote farm, so I, you know, I usually have time to actually sit down and read some stuff. Yeah, for so sure. That's when I read the JR one and those other ones. Um, I also got sent. Uh, my friend Ross Williams uh, in the UK does. Uh, he was actually I, he was editing the Al Snow and the Hornswoggle books and mm. sent me those, which unfortunately I haven't had a chance to sit down and read yet. They're on my pile of stuff, and uh, the last Chris Jericho book I got about halfway into it. Uh, the No is a four letter word one. Oh sure, which yeah. Was, which was yeah not great. I, I kind of he's telling a lot of the same kind of stories. And actually, I was in the bookstore recently. And it was on the discount pile for like a dollar a book. And I was <laughs> like, well, that's that's about right. I think honestly, but uh, yeah, that's that's probably the only ones I 
I've read recently. Like I say, it's just, I, I always feel bad because, you know, if I have a couple of hours to spare, then it's like, well, I might as well do something for the blog and, and do right. that, right? I don't feel like I have a lot of time to just, you know, just, just read a book or whatever. For sure. I'm in the middle of reading Jimmy Corderas's book right now. Oh, that's an interesting one. It's pretty good. I mean, it's not going to get high marks in terms of style. It's not yeah. super compellingly written from a love of language perspective, but he's got decent insights. Like hearing, especially because like understanding how refs actually work in WWE and who he travels with and how they get paid and things like yeah. that. So like his best friend was Tony Chimmel. And so they used to ride together and Chimmel was in charge of like the ring crew for a long time. Right. Yeah. And so like Cordero's talking about how Jack Tunney and Frank Tunney found him. And so he started working ring crew in Canada. They made him a ref without actually telling him what to do. But I can't remember who whose match he was refing, but whoever it was, I think it was uh, SD Jones, actually. And SD Jones is like, look, just stay close to me. I'll tell you exactly what you need to do. I'll tell you where you need to be. And so I was thinking, like, what a funny peek behind the curtain where a wrestler is telling the ref exactly what he needs to do. Yeah. But, well, uh, Corderas is all over TV up here, actually. He's, uh, he works for Sportsnet, the channel that shows, shows Ross. So they do like a, yeah. uh, yeah, they do like a, a, a that's like, it was like Renee Young was doing the same kind of thing too before she, she made it to the main roster. Yeah. So he, he's actually all over TV up here. He's, he's, he's a really interesting guy with a lot of insight. Yeah, no, he, um, he's a super cool guy. Like, and it seems like a really nice guy too, based on this book. Yeah. Well, actually, here's another, I don't know, funny story or not, but there's a guy, I actually got approached by another guy. Who used to be the ring announcer for the Vancouver uh, house shows that they would do here uh, when WWE would come come to Vancouver, and uh, his name was Vince, I guess. So he was like, he wanted he wanted me, I, he like took me out to dinner. He wanted me to like ghostwrite his autobiography, <laughs> I guess. It was be called like the other Vince. I peeked behind the curtain, and I was like, it's like okay, I don't think you have enough interesting <laughs> stories to. <laughs> to fill like a 300 page book. I'm going to be honest here with you, but no, nah, thanks for dinner anyway. So, so I could have had my name on that, but I, I don't think his book ever came out to, to be honest, but uh, yeah, you know, it was, it was nice to be wrecked to be uh, thought highly of enough, I guess, where he, he was wanting me to, to help him out with that. Sure. It's, it's always nice to get the opportunity. Thank you very much. Uh, it means a lot to me that you think of my writing in this way. I'm going to pass. Yes, exactly. That's pretty much <laughs> what it, pretty much what it amounted to. Uh, one, one I actually was interested in reading, but, it, it had brought it up uh, was the uh, Danny Davis book. Oh, actually, I guess he had tried to do a Kickstarter. I guess it eventually came out, but I never, I never saw anything about it. But I was trying to, I was putting out feelers. I was like, oh, you know, somebody, because like they they were sending me like before it happened, like they were sending me like press releases and stuff, being like, like, oh, hey, can you can you hype this up on your blog, blah blah blah. And I was like, okay, sure, yeah, just you know, you know, let me know when it comes out and send me a copy and I'll review it. And then nobody ever followed up with me, and I was like, well. Damn, I would have liked to do the Danny Davis book. I think he would have had some interesting stories to tell in there, but uh, yeah, never never heard back from him again. So totally, yeah, great, uh, like great character, uh, a ref, and then running like OVW. That would yeah. have been super no, insightful. Diff different Danny Davis. Different Danny, Danny Davis. Davis. Like, yeah, Dan Danny Davis, the referee, not Danny Davis, like Nightmare Danny Davis from, from OVW. Two different people. So. Oh, like Danny right. Davis. Danny Davis, the '80s ref. Yeah. God, I forgot. I forgot those are two different people. Those are two different people, yes. Um, it's no, like Danny Matt Stryker. Exactly, yes. No, Danny Danny Davis, the referee, was right. the one with the book. Okay. Yeah, he, he disappeared from the business entirely. And, uh, I'm not even sure what he's doing now. But, yeah, he was. I would, I would have been interested to read the stuff about the 80s with the Heart Foundation and all that kind of stuff. But, no, for yeah, sure. Danny, Danny, Danny Davis, the other guy, I don't know, given his relationship with Ken Wayne. Like, uh, <laughs> Ken's not doing too well right now. So I'm, I'm not sure if Danny Davis wants to be uh, associating himself with telling stories right now with that. 
All right. Well, perfect. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this up here momentarily, but a couple of final questions for you. One, do you have, uh, designs on doing any more books? No, it's, I, I, I do, I've been releasing ebooks on Amazon, mm-hmm. uh, like compilations, writing, that kind of stuff. But there's honestly so much bullshit to deal with as far as like going through agents and book proposals and everything like that. I just, I have no desire to, to do it anymore. Gotcha. I can, I, I, I can make as much money off the block as I can from, from doing those books. Nice. All right. Well, and you've got five under your belt. That's probably plenty. That's plenty for me. Absolutely. I mean, how, how long do you plan on doing this? Like, I, I know you almost fell out in that just interminable Cena era, like kind of the ruthless yes. aggression era. That's I yeah. fell out, too. How long do you see yourself doing this? All right, as long as WWE Network sticks around, I can keep doing it. Uh, as, long as, as long as I keep having fresh content to, to watch. That's the main thing. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't have if I had to watch just the weekly TV shows, for example, then, yes, I would drop out really fast because I would lose interest quickly. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, yeah, like, it's, which is really, it's really getting to be a problem with the network now. Um, I'm burning through a lot of the content that they had to offer. And now it's coming to the point where I got like, you know, like mid South and mid Atlantic and all that kind of stuff, which doesn't really, it's fine. It doesn't really do much sure. for me personally or for the blog, but like it's tough to watch, but I mean, they, they've slowed down adding content like to a horrific degree. And that's one of the problems. And I was like finding interesting things to, to do and see which is why power and dynamite have helped out a lot with that there but as, as long as i have new things to talk about yeah i'll i'll keep doing it nothing else i can keep doing observer flashbacks uh as well and, you know there's there's always stuff to as long as I, as long as i get things that i can find interesting things to do for two thousand words a day then great I'll, I'll i'll keep going so besides uh over the edge 99 and besides uh like keeping up with the current tv you know raw and smackdown are there other things where you just have no interest in writing about them? So, like, do people ever ask, like, hey, do you ever think about going back and reviewing? And I'm making this up, but, like, old AWA or something. Are there things oh, where you oh, go... Let's go back and do AWA. <laughs> oh, I wish they would add AWA to the network. I'd be all over that. Well, no. And, and, and my, my point is, are there yeah. things where people are like, would you please do this? And you're like, yeah, I just have no interest in that. Yeah, pe- people have been asking me to go back and do, like, Russo shows. Uh, three-hour Nitros, that's another one. Oh, three-hour Nitros are not, not going to happen. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm currently doing Nitro. Nitro at the end of '97 is where I'm up to now. On those ones there, once we hit January, that's it. It's done. I'm not. I'm not continuing on doing three-hour <laughs> Nitros, for example. Yeah. So that that would never happen. Yeah. Over the edge. No, I'm not gonna. That's that. That'll be that'll remain the only pay-per-view I, I'll never watch. I mean, I actually did watch it in the day, but I, I'll never review it. But uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, I don't care. I'll, I'm actually, in fact, the the thing I banged out this morning before this got out of the way was in case I decided not to do Dynamite, I actually am going to restart where I left off with Raw in 2005. That's going to be my next partner. Yeah, I actually did September 5th, 2005. Episode <laughs> of Monday Night Raw this morning just to just to see, like, you know, okay, did I did I not give this, you know, did I, was, this, was I fair to this? Did I not give it a fair chance before I dropped it forever kind of thing? And, uh, yeah, spoiler, no, I, I definitely gave it a fair chance. It was terrible. But <laughs> that's okay. You know, it's, it's something different, right? Like, it, sure. I don't do anything from the ruthless aggression era right now on the blog. So I'm, I'm always just looking for, you know, Stuff I haven't done before, stuff that's sure. some, something different to change it up. That's that's really the thing to keep from getting getting bored. I I mean I enjoy the attitude era stuff, but like I I can only talk about the Heart Foundation and Stone Cold Steve Austin and Mick McMahon and the Tank and all that crap so many times, right? Like you know, ah uh, yes, the Tank that won the Monday the Night Wars, the Tank that won the Monday Night Wars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, Scott, I'll tell you what, whatever you're writing. I'll be there. It's one of my first stops on the internet each morning, so I'm always grateful when you write new stuff. I'm a huge fan, and this has been a huge thrill. Now is the time on the show when we do plugs. So where can people find you? Uh, where can they find the blog? Anything you want to plug, do it now. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm at uh, blogofdoom.com. 
I'm, I also have a Twitter account, obviously, at uh, twitter.com slash blog of doom. Uh, Instagram with my cats on there a lot sometimes if people want to see that. Um, <laughs> it's all cats yeah, on my Instagram, too. So I, I haven't written anything for Sporty News since for about a year and a half now um, that they, they changed editorial and ownership, and I, I lost interest in continuing on with them. But I still have an archive of stuff on there if people want to check it out at uh, sportynews.com. And uh, I've, I've met some cool people on there, and uh, that was that was a good experience while it lasted. Uh, but yeah, primarily you can, like I say, you reach me at blogofdoom.com <laughs> or rsbwfact.com. It actually redirects there as well. I still own, uh, I still own the, uh, the Earl for that one too. So fantastic. Yeah. I write new things, put them up typically 6.30 a.m. Uh, my time every morning. If you want something to, to read and combine yell about Montreal and Lex Luger and all that fun stuff. <laughs> Mount Rushmore's and heel turns. Mount Rushmore's <laughs> and heel turns and all that. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Uh, Patreon.com slash rsbwfaq as well. Uh, people want to contribute money for whatever strange reason to my cause, which I, I don't understand, but I am so greatly appreciative, especially with uh, ad revenue going to the toilet as we speak. So 100%. every every little bit is, is extremely helpful to me in keeping my, my passion going. 100%. My wife knows you as just Scott. So if I say Scott wrote, et cetera, she knows I'm talking about you. So without you knowing it, you and I are on a first name basis. So. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> nice. Thank you. I, and I appreciate the sport, John. I was, I was enjoying reading those. Too, so I, try, I try to answer those. Like I appreciate that very much. All right. Well, Scott Keith, this was an enormous pleasure and I wish you continued success. Great. Thank you very much. And that'll do it for episode 248 of the John of All Trades podcast with Scott Keith, founder of blogofdoom.com. Always my first stop on the internet. Please check out johnofalltrades.us. I've got links to his site, to his Patreon, to his social media. Be sure to follow him if you're into pro wrestling at all. This is the guy you need to follow. And what a thrill, what an honor, what a privilege. I'm jazzed for this. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M.us. In addition to this show, I am producing three other shows remotely. So if you work for an organization, a company, or if you think you have a great story to tell, hit me up, D-E-F-T-C-O-M.us. You want to email me directly? It's J-O-N at D-E-F-T-C-O-M.us. Our sponsor is 4Degrees, the number 4 D-E-G-R-E.es. Anything you're doing on the web, they can help you do it better. Online campaigns, social media marketing, online advertising, website building. They will get your message from the people who need to see it most and engage them in a way that you are probably not doing now. The number four, D-E-G-R-E.es. Hit us up on the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram, all under the same handle, J-O-A-T-Pod. If you're listening to us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or any other podcatcher, give us a rating, give us a review, hit that subscribe button, brand new episodes come directly to you. I'm back here next week with a brand new episode, so I can't wait to hear you back here then. And until I do, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny.